As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. We've been starting each of the messages in this series with an open letter. And an open letter is written to a group of people in hopes that it will go viral to bring attention to an issue. Today's service is no different. This one, it's right on topic for where we're headed. Dear complacent Christian, it's 8.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning as you and your family scramble to get to church on time. Not a hair out of place. Your smiles give the illusion that life is near perfect. Before you get to the car, You realize you left your Bible inside, you dash back in to grab it. All week though, it sat untouched, unopened, and went unnoticed. Throughout your overscheduled week, you haven't thought about God, let alone had the desire to open up his holy word. Content to be present at church on Sunday and talk the Christian lingo over coffee and modern worship, Christianity has yet to invade every aspect of your life. You're comfortable to be a Sunday Christian one who checks off an obligation to Jesus, but never truly lets him into your life. You've compartmentalized your belief in God, and by limiting his presence to only one day a week, you've never grown or matured in your faith. And you're exactly where the evil one wants you, powerless, ineffective, not being used to further the kingdom of God. Friend, it's time. Get off the sidelines. Man, get into the game. It's time to determine if you truly have a relationship with Christ and what you really believe. It's time to learn the principles of God by studying his word and developing a relationship with him through prayer. It's time to be bold in your faith, building relationships with friends and family to openly share the gospel. It's time to fellowship with other believers who seek to glorify God, to spur each other on, to take big steps of faith. It's time to be a missionary in your own backyard showing outsiders and the less fortunate an example of Jesus's love and acceptance. It's time to leave behind the idols of materialism and perfectionism, understanding that they're used by the evil one to distract you from your true purpose. It's time to realize that life isn't about you. It's about proclaiming the good news to the lost and fallen world. It's time to impart truth about God's redemption, God's grace, God's hope knowing that that's the only thing that will break the shackles of addiction, bondage to sin, and slavery to selfish desires. Friends, God's calling you to leave the comforts of complacency and boldly proclaim that you're a follower of his regardless of the cost. We're in a war against evil and darkness, and the army of Christ is calling you to take a stand in a lost and a fallen world. Well, we don't know the day of the hour. Hey, Jesus is coming back. And he's commissioned you, his church, to pave the way boldly and with urgency. Now is the time. Where do you stand? What will you sacrifice? Will you be found faithful? Let's leave now. That's the message. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. If you're here in the room, if you're joining us online, we're so thankful to have you with us. We're in a study, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, seven letters to seven churches. This is letter number 5. 
the letter we're about to read was written to the church that was complacent. The letter that I just read was about to Christians who are complacent too. Can't have one without the other. That's the issue. And so let me begin by reading this letter from Revelation chapter, excuse me, three. We're in Revelation two and three. This one is starting chapter three. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You got the reputation of being alive, but you are, you tell me, dead. Wake up. Man, strengthen what remains. It's about to die for, I've not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet I still have a few names in Sardis, people who have yet to soil their garments, and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers, they'll be clothed in white garments and I will never blot their names out of the book of life. I will confess their names before my father and before his angel. He wasn't here to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. Father, I'm just asking that you'd break through to my own heart, so that you'd break through to our hearts, that, Lord, we have ears, and may we use them. May you speak boldly to each of us. Lord, may we just remove the distractions. May we... We've engaged, we've sensed your presence already in this service. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And so we're trusting that, that through your word, as faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God, that you're gonna, you're gonna do a work in us that we could not do in ourselves. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. Each of the letters starts, this is the review side. Each of the letters starts with a proclamation to proclaim. This one follows a similar format as the ones, but there's a slight deviation. Let's look at the pronouncement, excuse me. What's the pronouncement? Well, it says to the angel of the church, and so we've been talking about this, angel is simply the human messenger. An angel can be a heavenly messenger or a human one. This is written to the pastor of the church that he would share with the church. And the church in Sardis, let's look at our map, and our map shows us where Sardis is. It's about 50 miles inland. It's about, we studied Thyatira last week, and it's about 30 miles south of there. Interestingly, this town that exists today under a different name, it, it's high above, 1,500 feet above the ground level, and so it's got this kind of mountainous view and it's hard to get to, making it impregnable to attack. So it was a military outpost. It was also known, the city, for manufacturing. They actually manufactured, of all things, cotton for, what I would say, for clothes, but for jeans. Think Levi's when they were made in the USA. That was really funny, and you guys didn't have that. I thought of it while I put a new pair of Levi's on today. I thought, ah, I must have came from Sardis. But, but no, it's not. It was from somewhere else. Let's not get into that. But this town had a lot. And so there was five roads that kind of interspersed in there. And you could read this in your study notes. Won't spend much more time here if you've got a study Bible. But it's like they had a lot of influence. 
And so that was the town. And, and so let's take a look now. At, this is the part I've come to love in these letters. It, they all tell us something about Jesus. I want to do a series on just what we learn about Jesus from these letters, a whole message. And so this one says, the words of him, Jesus, who has the seven spirits and the seven stars. Spirits represents the Holy Spirit. So that's God in you, the third person of the Trinity, not if you understand what I'm saying. And that's if you don't, that's okay. That that's, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, that as soon as you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you receive the Spirit of God. You don't need more of the Spirit. Spirit needs more of you. And, and that what? That he wants to change you. So that's the Spirit. Then it talks about the stars. And we've seen from Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, the stars already is the pastor. So these are the pastors of the churches. So in our context, as I step down off the stage and I get to our star, Craig Steiner. Craig, you don't think of yourself as a star and you're nodding your head, no, you're not a star. Interestingly, Steve's saying, yep, that's me. He's not. But he's on stage, he's a worship guy, and they're all stars in their own mind. And, and, and Craig's like, no, that's not me. Would you stop arguing with Jesus? Because he says you're a star. And now you've got a little star next to you, CJ. I'm really excited about this star, because in my mind, I'm believing he's going to outshine some other stars. <laughs> but in all fairness, he says that, that, that we're a stars. And, and so what's interesting about this is the seven spirits spirits and the seven stars. Seven is the number of completion. Don't want to push the text too far, but that's completion. And so what that's saying, and I'm joking with my friends, a new one, God's going to complete the work that he's done in you. He's going to do it, man. Through the uncertainty, through the difficulty, through the trials. Yeah, let's praise God. He's doing it, man. He uses the difficulty and the pain of ministry and the uncertainty of ministry and the hurt to, to complete. And what we want to do, we want to applaud you. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to complete each of you. And he's going to praise the Lord. He's going to complete each of you. And the scripture says that what? That God finishes the work he starts. And he's using the difficulty. He's using the trials. He's using the uncertainty. He's using the complacency. He's going to use it to make you better and to push you further and faster to the place he wants. If you acknowledge the problem. What's the problem? Well, let's get back to the text. The problem to solve, again, most of the time in these letters, have you been paying attention? What comes next? It's a little praise. No praise. There's a small one coming, but they get right to the problem. What's the problem? I know your works. As my eyes scan this worship center, for those that are here, I just, I see people I know, I see people I don't know, I see people in the balcony, good to see you guys. I don't know everything about you. God does. Jesus knows exactly what you've been doing, what you're going to do, what you did yesterday, what you did last week. He knew their works. He had his eye on them. I, especially you. I'm watching you. And, and that's what he's doing. And he, he's like, all the way, I see you in the back. He, he's watching us. 
And so he knows your works. You have a reputation, guys, of, man, of being alive. And so what that means is that this church in Sardis, they had people coming to Christ. They had baptisms, man. They were reaching the community. Man, their care center, oh my goodness. Like, it was just awesome the way they were caring for the community and helping people in need. They were helping people with all kinds of difficulties. They had a reputation but now they were dead. Interestingly, if you double click on that word dead in its original language, it's necros. We get the word in the medical community, necrosis. That literally is speaking of dead tissue. That means there's nothing that this is gonna do that's good. And so what was the problem that they had become dead, that they had the reputation, they were on the cover of Christianity today multiple times. But then something happened, and it was complacency. And so dictionary.com, they say complacency is this. Complacency definition, dictionary.com says, a feeling of quiet pleasure or security, often while unaware of some potential danger. Okay, veering off to the left here for a moment. Does anybody remember Mike Tyson? Can I bring his name up? Does anybody remember Buster Douglas? Can I bring his name up? Do you remember Iron Mike? I remember watching this guy get in a ring. I remember his short white, he had no socks. He's got a towel for a robe. He gets in there, he's knocking people out in 15 seconds. And then this guy from Columbus, Ohio, Buster Douglas comes along. Nobody knows him, nobody cares about him, nobody ever heard of him. And what's he do? He sends a shockwave and knocks out Iron Mike, and everybody's like, what? Why did it happen? Because Iron didn't take him seriously. Iron was going through the motions. Ah, this guy, come on, are you kidding me? It's just reading my headlines, this guy's gonna fall down. That's what was happening in the church that they had gotten to such a place, and there's churches all over the country and all over the world that, that they're dying. Churches are dying, and, and there's no baptisms, and there's no salvations, and there's no more work that's being done for kingdom purposes, and, and that's the problem here. They, they've become complacent. There's no knockout punch. This is what's happening to them. Let's put it up on the screen. Three things. This is what's happening. Three things. Dead, dead, dead. Is that any clearer? A little bit of fun today? That's what it looks like. Just text that to your friend right now that's not here and say, you know what? The, the, the church is dying without you. <laughs> and, and isn't it true, though, that that's what's happening is that complacency is killing the church. I don't want that to happen, man. You know what, though? Stop for a moment. Seven churches, all dead. They all die. All churches are going to die, guys. Because the church is not the end game. The church is the vehicle to get us into the kingdom of God. That's what the church is for. It's the tool, it's the vehicle that God uses to do what? To get us into the kingdom, to expand his kingdom here on earth and for eternity. That's the church. Hey, this church, in 10 years, in 20 years, I hope not, 
But if this section becomes complacent, then this section and those guys over there and here and there and everywhere, that's the problem. So what's it look like? Glad you asked. This is the conviction part of the message. It's coming right now. So I wonder if you'll agree with me. This is what, what complacency looks like. I've got some warning signs for you and I because I don't want this church to die. Eight warning signs. I know I'm becoming complacent when my walk with God is reduced to a checklist of what I can and cannot do. How many would agree with me that's complacency? It's just a checklist. Hey, how about this one? We're going to go through this quick. So I love people. I see people taking pictures. Just, there's going to be a lot of them. They're coming quick. I know I'm becoming complacent when I compartmentalize my faith so it doesn't penetrate every area of my life. Interestingly, in this church in Sardis, they're the first in Asia Minor that coined money. If you go way back for this. So they coined money. So they're responsible for our modern money. I wonder how much money was being given back to the work of God. I wonder if they started and then they pulled back. Because that's what happens is if we don't, we compartmentalize our faith. It's about our time and our talents and our treasure. And how about this? I know I'm becoming complacent when my heart stops aching for the trials and struggles and eternal destiny of those around me. Hey, are, are you thinking about those people at work or at your school? Do you got a picture of those people at your health club or when you're standing and dropping the kids off and you're looking and talking to the parents and does your heart ache that you have a bigger picture that it's not about this world, it's about their eternal destiny and how God could use you as a light for him? Hey, 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 I know I'm becoming complacent when I'm content with where I am in my walk with God instead of where God wants me to be. Hey, I would suggest to you that God wants you to take a huge step of faith. He wants you to start that business. He wants you to go back to school. He wants you to begin and do that thing that he's been talking to you about for the last two years. And I would just suggest this, that that's part of the problem in the church. We as individuals become complacent and we don't take risks and we don't stay up. And that's all Jesus does is raise the bar. He wants us to take a risk because he wants us to put ourselves in a position, not ridiculously and not foolishly, but in a position where if I take this step and I step off this stage, if he doesn't catch me, I'm going down. That's faith. And too many of us, we live this insulated, and he don't want you to jump out of the plane with no parachute. He is the parachute. Do we understand that? He's the parachute. He's the one that lands us safely. And without him, we are dead. I know I'm complacent. Good stuff so far? Thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit because it's getting worse. Just wait. I know I'm complacent when I disengage with God, the Bible, prayer, and Christian community. I don't need that get in a group. Another fall goes by. I'm not working for the church. I'm not helping the church. I'm not expanding the kingdom. I'm not sharing in my neighborhood. I'm not doing nothing because I don't do nothing because I disengage. Too busy this season of life. Hey, you don't know about the kids. You know what it is with kids. You don't know about that second job. You, don't, you know what? I know all that. And it doesn't get easier until you get rid of those kids and you push them out. <laughs> like Jody, I did. And then, Lord, they come back. Oh, God, I'm like, what is going on in our home? They're all back. I'm kidding. But there's never a time 
there's never enough time. I know I'm becoming complacent when, when I regularly settle for online church instead of gathering together in person for corporate worship and biblical community. Hey, guess what? Barna says 1.3 people, or 1.3 times a month, Christians come to church now. 1.3? I know, please, hear my heart. Hear me, those online. I love you. I miss you. You need to engage. If this isn't your church, that you need to engage in a local fellowship if you're in Alaska right now. If this is your church, you need to engage in corporate worship. And so we've kind of seduced ourselves into this thing. And I know what it is too. Hey, it was kind of nice in 2020 that I didn't go to church for 24 weeks. That was kind of nice. That was a joke that got no laughs. But, but I'm just saying, like, you know what, I'm, my heart here, it's like we've got to be engaged in fellowship together. And, and so I know it's easier. And Barna would also tell us that more people are engaged in the church now because engagement isn't all about Sunday attendance. And people engage in other ways. They serve on Thursday nights or on Wednesday or this. I'm just saying, let's not lose the biblical community of what it means to worship together in spirit and truth. Got it? Next one is this. I know I'm becoming complacent when I blend into the culture rather than standing out. You know, I think that's a pretty good list. Like, what exactly do I need to do then to solve this problem? Because all you're doing is giving the problem without the solution. So glad you asked. And this is what I love about the Bible. It's not about me. Hey, let's decide. What's the solution to this problem? No, it's right here in the next two verses. We've got a plan to implement. And so we don't have to think outside of the book. We've got to look to the book. And we've got to do the hard work of digging it out of the book. And what we're going to see is the plan to improve. There's actually five verbs that come in the next two verses, in verse 2 and 3. So I'm not that smart. Some of you say, I know that. I've never positioned myself as the greatest preacher or some gifted, wonderful communicator that's going to entice you. And I don't really know that much but I know where to go to get the answers and I think we need to look to the book to solve the problems that I don't want you to know what I think about coming out of complacency. I want you to know what God says. That would have been a wonderful spot to say amen and encourage your pastor. You missed it. Maybe one day you will. Oh, it's October. Isn't that pastoral appreciation? Feeling really appreciated today. How about this though? Let's just, do you hear my heart? I'm not trying to demean myself or my gifts or my abilities, but I'm saying that they don't stand forward to what you need. The book does. And so that's my passion. It's the book. The answer's in the book. And so let's dig. So we got the five verbs. We're going to take them one at a time. This is how you combat Christian complacency. The first one is wake up. So we got to wake up from the spiritual slumber. And so if you double-click on this verb, it's two English words come from one Greek word that gives us the word revival. And so revival, we all know, we want revival, and it starts in your heart. We want revival for the church. Let's pray for the church. No, pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for your small group. Pray for me. Pray for our staff. Pray that revival will happen through us. Let's praise God. I just love this one section, because there's one guy I really like here. He's, we're feeling the vibe. The rest of them, can you get them on board by the next service? We've got some cards we're going to hand out because I believe in the power of prayer. Do you? 
And so I got CJ, and um, we're going to put to work CJ to work on his first day. Meet CJ just when he comes by and gives you a card. Just say, hey, what's up? Good to have you here in Naperville. And then he's going to say, I'm from Naperville. And, and then don't get in too long of a conversation. And then Craig ushers, if you want one of these, we're not forcing on him, but we're saying, could you pray these 10 things? Let's go. Do it now. I, I want to pray scripture. So just raise your hand if you want one of these. And so, again, no guilt trip. We, I hope we could get some in the balcony. Um, we'll get somebody up there for you guys. But, but these are prayer I, I, don't, I, I get bored when I pray sometimes and I sleep. That's biblical. Peter did it. We lose our minds. And we, we, that's why I like to pray scripture. And so here's some suggestions of verses that you can pray. You guys just get ignored right here. It's just, oh, you're good. Okay. So these are things that we want us to pray. You guys are getting ignored. Just share that amongst the five of you. We don't have enough. And, and, but these are, we didn't think people wanted to pray in the church. And, but seriously, these are things that we can pray. And so we believe that the power to wake up from our spiritual slumber is God's got to be the alarm clock. And you can't be. Some of us have tried to be the alarm clock with our kids and our family and our parents and your friends. And man, you just got to pray. And so I hope this resource helps. The next word is wake up for your spiritual stronger. It's strengthen. And so strengthen what remains. See, this is the thing here. If you think about it, this church, it wasn't flatlined yet, but it was pretty close. And so there was still a heartbeat. I imagine them putting those things on the body and just boom, boom, boom. And, and they had to resurrect this thing. And, and why? Because they were about to die. Because Jesus says, hey, I, I found your works. They weren't complete. Gosh, that scares me that what I'm doing isn't complete in his sight. Is it not complete because I didn't finish it? Could be. Is it not complete because I never got started? Could be. Is it not complete because I did it for the pat on the back and I did it for the wrong motives and I didn't do it for his glory but for me? Could be. That this is complacency. And, and so we've got to re-engage with God to have the right motives and have to write opportunities and to do what he wants and not what we want. Next word in the text says, remember. Remember what you've received and heard. So think with me, thinking cap's on, thinking cap church, no you know, fluff message, thinking cap for a moment. W what am I supposed to remember? It's truth. It's the truth about who you are. It's the truth about what God's calling you to do. Do you recognize, guys? God chose you, man. He handpicked you out of the sea of humanity. He picked you guys, and it wasn't for that beautiful sweater you're wearing today or those trendy sunglasses, which I'm jealous of. It, it was by his grace. Man, God picked you two for sure. I don't know about him. I, I'm just kidding. I love this guy. I've known him for years. Helped us get going here in Naperville. God picked you guys, man. And all the way in the back, he, he, he handpicked you. Laura, he handpicked you. He, he does it. And so you've been chosen. You, you've been forgiven. Hey, let's have some fun. You guys, I mean, think about where you'd be without the forgiveness of Christ. I know your stories. 
You're like me. It's just like, man, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be here. God's, you're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're redeemed. That means you've been bought back with a price. The price of his, of our Savior. He gave his life. Like, like I think if you're like me, what happens is sometimes they tell me not to get off stage because you guys can't see me at home. Oh, it'd be nice if you were here with us. That's a little harsh. We'll let it go for today. I, I want to do what God wants, but I oftentimes think of myself in terms that God doesn't think of me. And I think I'm this, or I remember that somebody said this. And, and we're defined by what other people think and say instead of what God says. Remember who you are in Christ. I love this, what comes next. Next fifth word, or excuse me, the fourth, is keep it. It's like the Energizer Bunny. We gotta persevere. So you gotta keep going, and you gotta persevere in what God wants and what God wills in God's way. And, and so we got it, man, he told you to do it, so let's step up and by his strength, let's do it. He told you who you are, not to forget it. And then the fifth thing, how do we combat this problem that's in the church because it's in each individual heart? Complacency is you gotta think the same way as God does. And so that's the word repent. Remember, we keep seeing this. This is the sixth of seventh time in the letter. And so it's like, how can we just keep talking about repentance? It's like, I'm getting tired. Well, if you double click, you gotta remember that what? That it means to agree with God. That's what it means in the original language. Metanoia is to agree with God, to think the same way as he does. And so if I'm going to do this thing where I'm going to combat Christian complacency, the, i got to think the same way he thinks. And, and so this is the answer that the pastor didn't give, that the stars didn't give. This is the answer that the Lord has given for you, for the people in your family, for the people in our church, for the people in the church that we need to wake up. We need to re-engage. We gotta remember. We gotta persevere. We gotta think the same. Good stuff? It's coming. It's coming to the church. That, that we get a praise, but, but what's the praise? Well, I, I don't know. The praise, it's, it's only for maybe one, two, three, four, five, six. We'll go to the pillar seven. It's for the seven rows right here. Ah, you know what? I love some of the people in the eighth. Let's go to the eighth row. That's you. It's for the eighth. So just that's it, though. Is that what he's saying? It kind of is. Look at the text. Look what it says. He says, there's a few names in Sardis. There's only a few. It's definitely this section. It ain't this group. You guys have not soiled your garments. That ain't saying you're perfect. That's saying in this time, in this place, in this situation, in this phase of life, that you're not struggling with complacency. And praise God for that. And the rest of us, what's that mean? Does that mean we ain't saved? I, I don't know. So, some would say that. 
because the picture here in white is given for white is a picture of salvation. It's mentioned twice in the text that, that we're going to have garments of white, and that's a picture of the newness that we have in Christ. But I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, it says you didn't soil, they didn't soil their garments. So that's not saying that, what, that some of you don't have the garments. It's just saying that they're pretty soiled up right now. How do you know if somebody's saved? Good question. How do you know if I'm saved? Well, the Bible teaches it's about fruit. And so you're going to see it. You're going to see a difference in my life as a result of the gospel. That the Bible talks about faithfulness. That it's about persevering faith. That over time, hey, I'm not calling you to just a thing to do for a week. I'm not calling you to do something for two years. I'm calling you to do this for your life. This is about a life change. I remember my kids, and I got one of them sitting here, and I remember when she was small, and my daughters, and we were the first Christians in our family, so it was like, and I, I, I was a youth pastor, and I saw some of these kids, and I'm just like, man, they come in Christian families, and they, they don't get that it's a lifelong decision. You gotta keep going through all the trials, and so it, it isn't just about accepting Jesus, it's about following him, and I'm talking to my six-year-old, follow him for your life! <laughs> the intensity. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing? But it's true. It isn't about a season, man. And we have seasons, don't we? We, we go backwards before we go forward. And so I'm not, I'm not minimizing the, the, the step to the side that some of us are on right now. But God wants to get you going. And some of you, you've not sold your garments. You're in a good place today. And others of you, man, you're just getting dirty right now. You know it. You can feel it. And then whether you're tuning online and I'm so thankful for you or you're sitting here in person, you know it. So this is my favorite part. What comes next is these promises are just unbelievable. And so I'm going to call the worship team up and I want to talk with you about the promises in the text that we can claim, all of us. And so as the worship team comes forward, I will never blot your name out of the book of life. I, you're never going to blot your name. Now, some people would say, and some theolo uh, people studying theology would point to this verse, and, and then they would say, well, well, well and they would say, you can lose your salvation. That's the exact opposite of what it's saying. In the Greek, if you study it, it's a double negative, meaning it can never happen. This isn't a threat that you're going to lose your salvation and you're standing with God. It's a promise that you can't. I'm never going to remove you from the book of life. And then look what comes next. Jesus is saying to you, I'm going to say your name. I'm going to say your name. I'm going to proclaim your name to the angels. I mean, is that awesome? Yeah, angel, look over here. That's me. That's who I am in Christ. And then he's going to say, I'm going to complain it to my father in heaven. And then we're just going to be like this. And he's going to say, I'm his. He's mine. And she's mine. And then we're going to proclaim. He's going to proclaim. He's going to say, can, can you just wait? He's going to verbalize your name. It's going to be the best time I'm ever going to hear this name. It's what he says. So I was traveling this week. Um, I was in uh, 
Atlanta because um, I, I got, I'm on a team of 10 pastors. And so these are 10 pastors. We'll talk about it some other time, but it's 10 pastors throughout the United States that, that are, these are pastors who started their churches and who are deeply invested in church planting where they've proven, sent out other planters. And that's our heartbeat here. Can we praise the Lord? That we want to see his work expanded. And, and so they chose us and we went and it's part of Send Network that we partner with that we can't do church planting alone. We want a bigger organization to help us get the gospel out and partner together. And so I'm at this thing and then um, I'm, I'm going to the airport in an Uber with a friend of mine, another pastor, and he's from Phoenix. And, and so, so we're talking and this is what's bad. We're doing pastor talk in the back of the Uber. That's not good. Because we're saying some stuff and we were oblivious to the guy in front of us. And then finally he goes, hey, what do you guys do for a living? <laughs> Just blown the whole witness right now. And then my friend, which I would never lead with this, he goes, we're pastors. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, don't start with that. It just turns everyone down and shuts the conversation off. And then it was interesting. We got into this conversation. I could tell he was involved in church and he was asked to be a deacon at his church. And as I was asking questions, I could tell that he was working it was about what he was gonna do, not what had been done. Do you know what I'm saying? And he was working for his salvation. And, and so then I just got into my story. I'm like, well, dude, hold on to this whole pastor thing. Like, I gotta tell you, I never thought this was coming. And, and I gave him the whole story. And I was 27 years old and I was in the worst, deepest sin. And, and God forgave me. Hey, it's all about Jesus. And I, I, I just want you to know before we leave that it isn't about what you do, it's about what he's done, and it's Jesus, and, and you gotta grab hold of Jesus. It's not this, and it's not that. It's all him. And then what was funny is so that at the end, you know, he's getting our bag. It's out. I got, dude, I got my bag. It's okay. It's all good. And, and he's getting in the back of the, you know, and, 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 he, and, and I said, I wanna pray for you. And he goes, oh, that'd be great. Pray for me this week. No, I wanna pray for you right now. And so literally, I grab his hand, I pull him in, put my arm on his shoulder, and I start praying for him. And right in front of everybody. And, and then my friend who was there, he's like, dude, you shouldn't have done that. His eyes were like this. He's like, what is happening right now? And, and so I just prayed for the Lord to move in his heart, for Jesus to become real, for him to embrace him by faith through grace. I think some of us are complacent because we know the right thing and we fail to do it. Agree? I think there's others, like my friend Michael, my new friend, Uber driver, who doesn't know the right thing, therefore he doesn't do it. And that's complacency too. And so, as we close the service, I wanna take a moment and I'm gonna ask you to bow your head. And I'm just gonna ask, if this is a season of complacency for you with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just ask you to raise your hand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If you're complacent right now in this season, in your faith, I see hands going up in the middle section. I see hands going up everywhere. I wanna pray for you. Thank you so much in the balcony. Hey, hands down, it happens. But now I want to be so bold. Maybe you're like my friend Michael, and maybe you're complacent because you didn't know the truth about Jesus, and you want to make that decision now. And you want to follow him. 
And I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you. In a worship space this big, that, that if you want to make a decision right now to follow Jesus, I want to pray for you. I see hand. I want to pray for you that you would get started to follow on this journey. And for those online that Father, we know that you are the one who sent your son to die for us. And so I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Just say that in your heart with me. I believe. I believe that he went to the cross for me, for my complacency, for my sin, for my sin nature. For I believe that God raised him on the third day. I believe that he's seated with God in heaven at the right hand in this moment. I believe that he wants to live his life through me and rid me of this complacency in this hour. I believe that he will give me the strength to overcome that difficulty in that situation. It's because of what I believe. It's because the Bible says. It's because the Spirit of God is alive. It's because God loves me so much. If you believe that, shout amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's make this our declaration of what we believe in this season, in this time, that these are the truths that will help us overcome the complacency in our hearts.